What if everything you're searching for is already inside of you? Hi, I'm Cassandra Goodman, and I believe that true power comes from staying connected to who we really are at our core. This is a podcast about what it means to stay true to ourselves and why authentic leadership is such tricky business. You'll hear inspiring real life stories from big hearted leaders. I hope these stories help you to remember that true power comes from within. So today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Briar Hart. So Briar is a customer experience transformation expert and Briar and I met many years ago when I spoke at a customer experience conference in the Yarra Valley um, and in that presentation I shared a little bit about my uh, childhood and some of the challenges I've experienced in my leadership career, career around being authentic and Briar and I hit it off uh, immediately and I've been really lucky to get to know Briar better over recent years and do some work for her as well. So thank you, Brian. Welcome for, welcome to the podcast. What else do you think we should share about your background that feels important? Thank you, Cassie. It's wonderful to be joining you. And um, those pre-COVID days when we had multi-day conferences, wonderful. <laughs> um, Wasn't that good? <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing customer experience transformation globally for different types of organizations for a really long time. Um, but more recently, I have merged that with my lived experience of having a disability and I've um, applied it to accessibility and, and disability, which is, I think, a fabulous decade-long um, convergence of, of expertise and lived expertise as well. Mm, and I've certainly learned a lot from you, Briar, about the business and the social benefits of, of really um, organizations focusing on greater inclusion uh, for all uh, all Australians who have accessibility needs. So it's been a real, really inspiring um, chapter in my working life to, to work with you a little bit in that, in that area. Thank you. It's a learning every day or unlearning I often say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unlearning and learning. I say the same. So, you know, Briar, you understand that the True Power podcast is really just a candid conversation. And the more conversations I have with you know, curious, big-hearted leaders such as yourself, the more I realize that these conversations is really about normalizing the tricky business of staying true to ourselves. That it's so easy to say, oh, bring your whole self to work or just be yourself. And but what we know is that's actually really, really challenging and that we are you know, complex beings with lots of parts and lots of layers that push and pull us in so many directions. And so this really is a conversation about uh, to normalize all of that and to help um, more leaders understand that sometimes we lose our way and that's really okay. And we just have to have tools and strategies and techniques to get ourselves back on track. Yeah. Mm. so you know that the the key question I like to ask all my guests is this question uh, can you recall a moment in your life Briar when you realized that you were not being true to yourself and would you mind sharing a little bit about that experience yeah thank you Cassie I think 
when I thought about this question, I thought I started with how I, why I studied and joined the business community and winding my way back. And like many things, we ended up in, in childhood. And I think for me, um, I grew up in a, in a family where my parents separated when I was six. I have a couple of younger siblings. They had gotten uh, remarried, each of them. And uh, I ended up in an environment where there were quite different values in each household. Um, and so I'm like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, there's really form formative years um, going from one house to another where um, my, my dad's more conservative. My mom is living at a, she's running a health and wellness retreat down a valley in the middle of New Zealand with her Indian husband. And so that was for me a point where I didn't know how to be true to myself because I was still trying to figure out who I was and what was important to me. And one of the things that my, my parents did really well was rather than say, you need to think like me, they valued the why you thought something. So they didn't, they held, um, they held tightly our ability to think and they held loosely our ability to think like them. So our dinner table conversations were like, uh, and why do you think that? And, and, and what's led you to that? And have you thought about it? It was this really sort of curious, um, curious place. And I think from a, from, it, it really helped learn how to be true to like, who you were, but actually then you had to move between two homes where you didn't necessarily agree with, or you didn't understand, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hold the same values. And so being true to yourself was really difficult in those moments because you needed to conform into the home that you, that you lived in. So mm -hmm. I think, sorry? Yes, I'm just agreeing. Yeah, I can imagine how challenging that is. I mean, as you're describing it, I'm thinking how as adults, so many of us find ourselves in, in systems, you know, organizational systems where that exact same challenge is there, right? That we don't really gel with the values and yeah. I can only imagine how difficult that would be as a, a child. So, yeah. I think, like, I reflect on it, and I've probably had a lot of points of bear at the pub talking to my mates about these types of things, but I think on the positive side, like, it definitely taught me from a, a young age about um, duality and being able to, like, I can love someone deeply like you love your parents but not agree with them on everything and they made that safe to do that which is really wonderful and because we had quite a lot of people coming into our lives we also had you know those values of inclusion like someone wasn't necessarily going to be in our lives forever but they were coming in for a period of time when they were guests at my mum's retreat or um you know my my parents all divorced and remarried so a whole new group of people um come in there but then also I think when it comes to like the difficulty of being true is that the 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 other factor was that I grew up with um like being true to yourself being role modeled by my mum in particular so my my mum um had experienced um, she's a survivor and so she has um, complex PTSD and she is a courageous woman who when I was five or six she made the decision that she wanted to live uh, 
fully and with all the feelings rather than numbly and hiding from that. And that cascaded over a period of, of years where she actually got uh, that person extradited and, uh, to New Zealand and got, got them convicted. So it was, you know, a big, really big thing for me to, to, to see. But also because she had that PTSD and we didn't always have words for it, like I could see she was being true to herself. She had really clear boundaries. There were some things that were just no-go areas or things that were really like she always had to go for a walk every day for long periods of time. Walking was really important. But then as a child, you're also like the consequence of that is that like you also then have to fill in around that and you have to and then so there's this part of me that's a really fierce big sister because I've got um five little sisters and um two of them uh my mum's and so then there's a part of me that like goes into protecting them and or people like them in the moments where that was not something she was maybe capable of so being true I think about what I do now and I'm advocating for people who are not in the room, who often don't have the words to, to advocate for themselves in the systems that have huge impacts on their lives, right? Customer, bad customer experiences have an impact on, they ruin an otherwise great day. And you imagine how much that can be compounded for, for some marginalized and vulnerable groups. So being true, I think about like, again, how I saw it really well like role modeled but then on the flip side how it also was affected by that and how it's something that I've had to be really conscious of um might be too yeah advocate mm. and confidently I <laughs> love that I find that so inspiring the the obvious deep reflection that you bring you've brought to your childhood experiences and this strong awareness you have of this fierce big sister part of you that formed um, out of necessity, uh, given the context in which you grew up and how this fierce big sister part is now kind of advocating on behalf of Australians who live with a disability or access um, challenges and the the positive way that that part of you is channeling her energy to be a force for good and a force for change, I, I think that's really extraordinary. I like it's been a journey to getting to know that that part of me. And um, Cassie, I'd also add that like, so this part this part of me has always been there, and certainly was a muscle that was strengthened when I acquired a disability at 27 and again um, when I had my daughter and all the complications that go with pregnancy and disability but it's I think it that got strengthened through that experience but I also reflect on um, yeah like why I even went to university to study business and then entered this world because like I said I um, my, at my mum's house we lived down a valley um, it was an organic health and wellness retreat that burnt out executives were sitting around the table alongside like um, woofers or willing workers on organic farms. Like that was one side. And then my dad was a commercial industrial real estate agent. His second wife and him um, would go to church on Sundays. So, so I grew up in this space where I, I didn't even know what a CEO was. Like I think I got two years into business school and I was still like, don't know what this acronym is. Um, but I just wanted to tell a, sm a small story about um, like why I chose to do that and, and, a, and an example where my 
when my mum was like fueling that that authenticity in me. So I'd gone to university to study business. I'd done half a degree worth of papers in my first year because I knew nothing about business and I found it absolutely fascinating. And so sitting at the kitchen table over, over the Christmas holidays, trying to map out the courses I was going to take in my second year. And um, one of my mum's more alternative friends, and I think alternatives are a relative like concept, but one of my mum's more alternative friends said to me, oh, Briar, what are you doing? And I said, I'm planning what I'm, what I'm going to do at uni next year. What are you studying? I'm studying business. And she turns around to my mum and says, you must be so disappointed. Oh, wow. And my mom, without hesitation, says, well, no, I'm not disappointed. I'm proud of everything Briar does. And how do you think the system of business is going to change if we keep throwing rocks from the outside? We need people like Briar learning the system and changing it from the inside. And so my mom, like, had listened to me when I talked about why I wanted to do it. She had defended me in front of someone who she could have chosen to agree with because they were more in that, um, that more alternative values. And it was a big deal for me. And so that was why I studied it. That was how I was like encouraged. And then when I get into the workplace, my assumption is not that the system is right, how do we protect it? My assumption is that the system is flawed and we need to alter it for those commercial and human outcomes that we're trying to get to, that both of them can coexist. I just happened to along that journey acquire a disability. I just happened along that journey to have become someone who works in this space. But like when I think about that leadership and that authenticity, like that was there the whole way because despite all the difficulties in my childhood, like my parents made sure that we knew who we were and why we were doing things. Mm, what a powerful story. And it, you know, it strikes me, again how these small interactions can make such a lasting impact on us Mm. and as you're also describing you know this passion you bring this awareness that you bring that that many of the organizational systems in which we operate do need to be regenerated do are producing outcomes that no individual wants but each individual is contributing to um, and, you know, we know that these systems are inclined to self-preservation. So we really do need people, leaders such as yourselves inside those systems, really advocating for change. And you know, having worked with a design thinking toolkit myself, you know, as you're talking and explaining this encouragement you had as a young girl to really be open in your thinking and this curiosity around the kitchen and the dinner table around what do you think? It also strikes me that this toolkit that we know starts with divergent thinking before we converge on a solution is also perfect. Yeah, I I, I think this became somewhat crystal crystallized for me when I was listening to the book you recommended, The Promise of No Interruption. And there's a part where she, um, I can't remember the author's name, Nancy. Nancy Klein. Yeah. yeah. She, she's talking about like this promise of no interruption and how it's been happening to us. And if as children we had have had time to have generative thinking, maybe we would have the capacity to do it. And I was sitting there like, hands up, I got that. Like, mm-hmm. now let's be really clear. I'm one of six girls. There were at least eight people at the dining room table. Like, 
my dad has lost the upper range of his hearing from the high pitched sounds of teenage girls, right? Like there was not, it was not a whole lot of space um, in, in the sense that she's talking about, but it was encouraged. Why do you think that? And then there was, there was a pause to let you, you come to that conclusion or explain it or change your mind. Like today, I agree with this, and I've met, I've been to the other parents' house, and I've heard what they think. And actually, my perspective somewhere in the middle. Um, I got like we got that. Mm, time to think, and time to figure out what do we think, and this trust that that what we think matters, and bringing this curiosity to our thinking, I think is just so rare and valuable in the world today and that that book by Nancy Klein the I think the title is um the promise that changes everything and I, yeah no it's 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 and it is about this promise that I won't interrupt you because how do I know for sure what you're about to think um is not uh, more valuable than what I'm about to say <laughs> and of course yeah. we don't know it's I've had to like rewind that one quite a lot and think and think on it a lot because I'm a chronic interrupter um because in in I think when it comes to this topic though sometimes I'm very confident I'm very high energy like I'm I wake up caffeinated and I caffeinate some more and I maintain that I'm I'm I'm, I can be a hurricane of energy and when and I'm somewhat impatient when someone, someone's intentions are to preserve the system or when someone's intentions are not to be curious. I, when someone's, um, the consequence of what they're doing has human impacts that are unnecessary. We can get to the same commercial outcome or better and positive, more positive human outcomes. I can, that fierce big sister can also become really impatient, cut in, um, talk over like because it stems from that part from that childhood place mm. so it's not like she's not always the right person to be like driving the car but she's a good person to listen to and be like hey I think right now there's something there's something in here so that's the balance I've had to learn is actually my confidence can be intimidating and then the intimidation that people feel drives the way that they treat me in, 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 in as a change maker yes and I think that's probably the final question I'd love to get your thoughts on Briar because you're you're a long way down the path in terms of this work of understanding our parts opening dialogue with our parts um, learning to uh, understand how our parts can sometimes be activated can hijack us um you know you've read both my books you've done my program you're you know you're we've been working together for a while I think you're well down the path and so if people are listening to this and they're thinking along the lines of wow I, I don't I haven't even thought about what what parts I have maybe I have a part like your fierce big sister part that um is a powerful you know force force within me that can become a force for good with more awareness and more care so 
maybe you could just share, you know, for those listening, like a little bit of a glimpse into how you work with this part of you. Where where did you begin as you as you brought awareness to this part of you and 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 her power, but also her need to be led by you so that she's not too too much of a formidable force. What 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 thoughts can you share with our listeners about where to begin this work of self leadership? I think Mary Poppins said it right. No, Maria. Sound of music. Start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. I, I think that what's the what's the adage? Like if you don't um like you need to feel uncomfortable in the status quo to be motivated to change. And so I sometimes felt like I was operating at two speeds in terms of the impact I was having and the feedback I was getting. And it's a and it's a common thing. This is amazing. We want more of this, but this is the barrier. This is the problem. We can't promote you we can't give you that project we can, you know you're not ready because and so when that happens consistently you're kind of like well I'm the common denominator here and I can say I've got a choice to say it's them the nefarious them they all don't get me or to do that difficult like looking inwards and again like it stems back to childhood like when I choose to have a look at me and see what I can do because I'm in control of that when I was in the situation where uh, I didn't necessarily hold the values of the people in the home that I lived in, I'm a child, I don't have the choice to, to go somewhere else. And so what am I in control of? Well, I'm in control of not, you know, triggering my stepdad to be to be mean to me. I'm in control of not uh, making a statement about someone else's choices. So, so I went back to that and... I think once I looked at the IFS model, I could like feel it just made sense mm. because it's like, and when it's out of control, like when it's happening in a way that's dysfunctional or maladaptive, you feel it in your body. You're, you, you know, for me, I feel it rising and it just explodes out because I'm like, I, I, so finding that. And I think some of the things that, I think that convinced me to keep going when it got really hard because I would way rather blame everyone else was like I remember um, I'd sit I'd sit at my computer if I was having these feelings so I could acknowledge the physical feelings and I'd look down at my hands and I'd be like these are wrinkly hands of a, like a mid-30s mum who probably doesn't use enough hand moisturiser. These are not the hands of a nine-year-old. Mm. These are not the hands of a 10-year-old. And so... I think that um, it got uncomfortable, kept going the way I was going. I f- found the, found that model, gave it a go, and it worked. I just found a couple of things that worked and kept going. But, like, and my mum, she role modelled it, right? She mm. wanted to feel all the feelings, the joy of life and the pain of her history rather than be numb and feel none of it. And so I I think they've just got that role model as well to me to keep trying. That's so valuable. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I love that practice of looking at your hand as kind of an anchor point to remind us that we are all grown up. <laughs> your hands aren't that wrinkly, by the way. <laughs> they're, not, they're not like, they're not, you know, as, as lusciously soft as they were at 10. We didn't yeah, you and me both. <laughs> 
But it's such a beautiful, like um, simple but powerful anchor to come back into our bodies, come back into the present moment. Because so often when parts of us are activated, when we are kind of hijacked and we have that, you know, that we feel overwhelmed and we feel that energy rising up and we know things perhaps are not going to end well, you know, having these simple ways to anchor back into the present moment and remind ourselves that we are resourceful, that we are mature, that we can choose to respond rather than react, you know, all, all the things we know, but sometimes fail to put into practice this simple but powerful idea of looking at your hands to bring you back into the present moment, into your body. I yeah. think it's just gold. It really is. And I think probably the last step that I just remembered is like that gets me drier back in the present moment, but then also to like have a conversation with that part of me and say like, the people that you that you are trying to that you are trying to say will be safer if you let me go in into this conversation calm if you let me go into this conversation appearing the way that people want me to appear because like that that will like anchoring to what are we trying to do so mm-hmm. acknowledging that she's trying to get to the same thing which is a safer place for people but sh- but um just trust me because I know how to do it in this system, in this moment, at this age. And I think that last step, otherwise, she's just clambering over you to try and get in the driver's seat. And so that acknowledging and speaking to that, that part, and um, I really do sometimes feel like a little bit of like the hippie part of me living down the valley talking about speaking to a part, but like whatever, it works, right? It works. It works. Go in and have conversations that are really triggering that are really difficult that my physical body is like I want to jump in here because they've done this work and that and the outcome is the anchor yeah I was I was having a coaching session the other day with a new client he's like what so you mean you you want me to talk to myself like yeah (laughs) I want you to talk to yourself not out loud like but in your head And so, yeah, I I suppose it's part of us like, you know, WTF, I can't can't believe I'm doing this, but but it works. (laughs) And, you know, Dr. Richard Schwartz, who created the IFS model, which underpins my books, um, talks, he's in a dialogue with his version of um, the fierce big sister, these younger parts of ourselves that that don't quite have the skill or the, the, the prudence perhaps or the maturity. Like he will say to his younger parts, look, things go better when I'm in charge. <laughs> just, <laughs> just step back, get in the back seat, as you say, because uh, we know things are going to go better when I'm in charge. And of course, when he uses the term I, he's talking about his core self, his most empowered yeah. self, where we know the qualities of true leadership reside, our, our curiosity, our compassion, um, our playfulness, our courage, our creativity sits at our core. And so this technique you're, you're sharing with us of creating a little bit of separation between our parts and our core is what gives us access to our most positively powerful qualities. Totally. I like exactly this fierce big sister is like amazing like she did such a good job of helping not just me but but the kids around me at that time in my life but her execution of those skills is juvenile she's not old enough to drive she's not 
and I've, but I've had to use those skills in acquiring a disability. I've had to use those skills in stepping into different um, different roles at work. And so, like, I just thank her. I'm like, just so glad you did that because then I didn't have to start from scratch, you know, at 30-something when I'm stepping into this role. I didn't need to start from scratch then because we've done all this work to be really good at advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. So, yeah. Just begin. Just, just begin at the beginning. What's Thanks. the worst that's going to happen? You just right. go need a chocolate bar and go back to numbing for a minute and then, like, have another go <laughs> and, like, longer stretches of being yourself and small stretches of, of numbing and vegging out on TV or, you know. Mm, all the ways that we numb and we Probably. avoid the inner work, which, you know, that's the saddest part of, of, of this for me is so many leaders I meet aren't yet haven't yet found the courage to do that inner work they they are just choosing kind of to avoid and to numb you know and there's no judgment there because you know we've all been there but that saddens me because there's so much upside when we do have this courage to look within and we can understand the parts model and understand that those judgmental kind of nasty um or um less um I suppose pure thoughts that we have don't reflect who we really are doesn't mean I'm a nasty judgmental person it's just part of me and that I can learn to get to know and lead that part of me like there's so much I think liberation and just that understanding it's um it's just such a powerful model the IFS internal family systems model it is but I'd also add Cassie whatever model you're using if it's the model of like changing self and 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 doing that internal work or like my day job is is a change maker like progress over perfection get started give it a go be open to changing and find some safe spaces to have a what you call islands of sanity islands of sanity yes. islands of sanity because <laughs> you also have to be safe to like try fail give it another go and failure is not the full stop it's the context to try the next thing and the next thing and that's an application and like whatever model you're using and whatever you're trying to change it's the only guarantee is it's not linear Mm, it's messy business right (laughs) and it's unlikely to be easy but it is likely to be worth it like it just oh I love that I'm likely to be easy but it's very likely to be worth it oh that's perfect Thank you so much, Briar. I've absolutely loved our conversation and I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot out of uh, all that you shared. So thank you so much. By being true to our deepest selves, we liberate our highest potential and serve the greatest good. As the founder of the Center for Self-Fidelity, I am on a mission to help leaders feel more authentically empowered so we can co-create workspaces where people can thrive, perform, play and belong. Learn more at selffidelity.com.